Welcome to the Technory Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Today's show is brought to you by Active Campaign. See why 100,000 plus businesses use Active Campaign every single day for their marketing by going to activecampaign.com slash technory. Get your first two months for free on me. Today's show, Ben Jones, founder, CEO of Ohi. If you are a person who is like me, you are ridiculously impatient. And I would say that I've always been impatient. Although when it comes to packages and shipping and buying, I kind of think my patience was similar to yours is sort of determined by what's available. I'll give you an example. So if I buy something on any website, let's say eBay even, and I want it today, am I willing to pay $10 more? Yes. $20 more? Maybe. Depends on the urgency. $20 plus more? Not a fucking chance. And until Amazon came around and promised things like same day delivery, next day prime, next minute if you want to do it with a drone, that basically changed the game for everyone. Now we all expect, myself probably most included in this, everything now. I want everything immediately. But honestly, not many places not named Amazon, Walmart, Target can operate that way. Any small business, any mom and pop, any Shopify unless they're doing their production and delivery through one of these gigantic channels, they pretty much can't compete. They, they would lose money every single day that they tried to ship at the same cost. So they jacked the price up to the point where you're not going to buy there anyway. And so they need an answer. And I think I found the answer. It's called Ohi. And it is basically a decentralization and creation of remote fulfillment centers designed to help every single smaller operation provide same day delivery, one day delivery. And it's pretty simple. I mean, Ben goes into it. So I'll spare you the whole, the whole spiel. But if you just want to put in context, as you set up for this podcast, it is essentially me finding people who have room to store inventory in their location, in the areas that we want to do business. So my business is based in Delaware naturally, and I want to ship things to La Jolla, California. It's going to take a couple days and a lot of money, but instead I actually have the main product stored in La Jolla at an office that has tons of space. And when orders come in, it ships from La Jolla. It ships from my remote fulfillment center. And now as a mom and pop, I would have no idea how to do that, how to build it, how to store it, how to run it, how to manage it, but they do. So Ohi provides them with a platform to do that. And oh, by the way, Ohi also provides a platform to all of these people who have a bunch of space available to store inventory. So if that's you running a Shopify company, this podcast is for you. This is my interview with Ohi founder and CEO, Ben Jones. I mean, obviously we're dealing with crazy, crazy times. I mean, it's like we could have a whole show talking about the impact of COVID and the supply chain and, and shipping and just everything in the world. Um, but I actually think that your business in this time and place, not only is it vitally important, but it actually could be a really transformational moment for your type of business where companies that previously never really thought of their using their facilities to store anything like that just wasn't a thing that maybe they thought of. And now it's a very obvious, um, you know, solution for them as well as potentially helping the entire uh, supply chain system, logistics system. I I'd just love to, to hear your kind of take on, on what you're seeing right now in the industry and then obviously we'll dive into what Ohio does in the whole nine yards. Yeah, it's, it's, um, you're right. It's, it's a, it's a really crazy 
time in the world where so, with so many changes happening um, at, in terms of how it's relating to delivery and where consumers are buying their goods. Um, obviously, a ton more demand is going towards e-commerce. And the trend that you know has been going on over the last decade of, of increased increased e-commerce volume, you know, has, has has suddenly caught up massively to where it should be. And I think we'll find that um, post coronavirus crisis, people will still be shopping a lot more online than they did before. People that historically have never done it will will now be used to doing it, and a lot more volume will be going to e-commerce. Um, and then and then within that e-commerce volume. Um, what we're seeing is a lot and lot of brands suddenly realizing that they need same day. And this was a trend. The move towards same day and on-demand delivery was definitely happening uh, prior to now. We've seen Amazon and Walmart and Target um, all moving towards same day delivery over the last year. But coronavirus has, has suddenly made it obvious to everybody that Consumers are not happy waiting three to five days to get something. You know, they they when you're sat at home and you want it, you want something, you really want it now. And so e-commerce is quickly replacing physical retail and shopping in the store. And and to do that effectively, you need the same day. So we've seen you know a huge huge growth in demand over the last month or so, uh, driven by those two changes. It's super interesting that you phrase it that way. And a couple of items in there that I want to unpack a little bit. Uh, pun uh, unintended. Um, on this, on this podcast, uh, a couple months ago, we had the, um, the head of Uber freight Sager Shaw on the show. And they were kind of talking about, you know, all of the things that we're going to talk about and more. Um, but one of the things that came up in that conversation is sort of Amazon changing our behavior as a consumer in such a way that the expectation now of basically like if I, if I have a choice between three, different sources and one is one day, same day, next day. And the other one is two days, three days. And the other one is, you know, even a week. It is not even a question which one I'm picking. And in fact, I would actually pay more money for today versus tomorrow and definitely versus a week. And that's changing. I I think a couple of things. I think one, the the consumer part of it is an obvious no brainer. You mentioned that already. Um, But it actually changes how we pay for shipping and how we look at shipping. And we've always looked at it as like, you pay more money for, for getting it sooner. But in the past, when I saw the option for $60 or $90 on FedEx, I wasn't going to pay that ever. But now I'm so used to it that I, I probably wouldn't pay 90, you know, as a premium, but I would definitely pay 10 or 15 more, which off, mm-hmm. you know, off puts the price a little bit. And, and in reality, and this goes, uh, this will probably lead into like what your company does specifically and how you got there you know, Amazon jumped into this basically knowing that it's going to be at a loss. They're going to figure out how to deliver it. They're going to promise same day, next day. And they're just going to have every single person working the line to get that done or as close to as they can, no matter what it cost them until they figured out how to automate it and get it down to a more systematic approach that would be profitable. What we have found talking to companies, whether that's Amazon, Uber, you, um, or even food supply, you know, talking to Taval and Home Chef and some of these others is that, with the exception of an Amazon who can afford to have a gigantic facility in every major area and, you know, extended facilities in the regional areas, almost every other competitor had no choice if they wanted to participate, but to go and use Amazon's infrastructure. And now mm-hmm. with everybody using Shopify and that becoming kind of a common uh, buyer consumer system at this point, 
I think that all these these companies are sort of scratching their heads as to like how do they how do they keep up with it and how would that even work? And that leaves you guys uh, right Correct. there on the doorstep telling like, listen, this is, this is a network, no different than, I mean, this is a bad analogy probably, but like, you know, data towers, you know, you look at like mm-hmm. the, the local areas that you drive through rural Wisconsin and you can't talk to anybody and you wonder why it's cause you don't, you don't see any towers. Um, and, and now as they start to drop these towers and drop landlines, you're getting better connectivity all across the world. The same exact thing is in the physical form of having storage and getting product in certain areas. So I, I'd love you to, to walk us through obviously what you guys do, but the origin story. Yeah. And, and I'll just say that what you're saying is, is absolutely why Ohio exists in that no individual brand can afford to do what Amazon has done. You know, no individual brand can build that infrastructure there that Amazon has done to enable it to do same day and next day delivery at low enough cost. You need a service like Ohi to aggregate all these different brands together to enable them all to do same-day delivery at very low cost. And the kind of beauty of, of our system is, is we can do same-day, even two-hour delivery. That's our most popular choice. Most people choose two-hour delivery right now. Um, we can do that for pretty much the same cost that it costs a, an e-commerce brand to do three- to five-day delivery. And so they don't even need to charge the customer more if, if they don't want to. There is some willingness to pay on the customer end, but... Generally, people offer free same-day delivery yep. using our network. Um, so what you're saying is absolutely right. That that need for in the market exists, and that's what Ohio is feeling. Um, and so, yeah, so I can, I, I'm very happy to talk about the origin story. So it's kind of, um, it's kind of funny because it's very, I was in a very similar situation to how a lot of people find themselves today, which is, which I find fascinating in that, in, in that I was stuck at home. Um, I couldn't go anywhere. I was very, very restricted in terms of what I could do. And that was because I'd had a really bad back injury. Um, I didn't have coronavirus. I had a really bad back injury. And and that meant that I was paralyzed for a period of time. I, I was literally bed bound paralyzed. Oh. Um, and it took me 16 months to recover from that. Good God. And like I say, during that time, I, I couldn't go out. I couldn't do anything. And so physical retail was off limits to me. Um, I had to order everything online and it became, this was back in 2015. Uh, and it became a huge frustration of mine that I was like, I can order stuff on Amazon I, and I'm British and in the UK at the time, Amazon was next day and prime was next day. So I could order on Amazon, get it next day. But I order from all these other direct consumer retailers who are really who I want to be shopping with as a millennial and it takes three to five days for them to get to me. And it was so frustrating. And I, I think what's fascinating today is because of coronavirus, everybody else finds themselves in that same situation. Of, of physical retail is basically off limit, limits. They're having to shop a lot more online. And they feel that same frustration. They're like, I'm reliant on e-commerce. And yet I'm having to wait five days, which, you know, because it's five working days, it ends up taking a whole week for a product to come from some of these retailers. And, and as you say, you, you, consumers end up looking towards, um, looking towards services and, and retailers that are able to get them products that same day or, or within a matter of hours. So it was really that back injury and that frustration that I felt of how slow all these direct consumer brands were at getting the product that led me to start to OI. I, uh, I, first off, I'm happy that you're now able to go out and about. That's a good thing. I am not nearly as serious as that. I had a, a lumbar issue. I would say 
uh, probably going on about a decade now. <clears throat> and that was like three weeks of essentially being on my back and having no ability to move. And I, I mean, I had parents that could help out and I was, you know, nearby, but I, that wasn't an option then. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. that wasn't even yeah. a thought. So it's just like, Oh, I guess I'm going to live on water and whatever is near me. And that's yeah. life. We didn't even have street. I mean, we had streaming, but like, not really. It wasn't even like I could watch yeah. anything. Um, I want to do a little sidebar here just because it's kind of interesting. The, uh, this is, this, this show is going to air, you know, I don't know, in a week or so. So the people listening to mm-hmm. this, uh, will have known this from our email newsletter. We just hosted a, a leasing AMA, uh, with our partners at MB real estate. And one of the conversations that someone brought up or the questions they brought up, uh, was what happens after this like future of work exercise we're doing, which we was unintended, but Corona has basically given us a global testing mat for a remote lifestyle. And one of the things that has been identified, and this is on the commercial real estate, but it, it absolutely applies to you and the retail side is, you know, the early, early people, well, I mean, early on the not technical side, the, the, the OGs, if you will, they had taken this approach of it's never going to happen. We could never do this kind of work without being in the same room. And what has been proven is that that's just not true and that not everyone is meant for this, but it does work really well, sometimes better than even in the office, depending on what you do. And that there's a new comfort around it and that a lot of the commercial real estate groups are going to have to rethink how they lease space because companies after this, there'll be a a gut reaction, but then there'll be a knee jerk reaction, but then there will be sort of a calm where people realize this is actually more efficient. If in fact the infrastructure is, is quality in place and is, you know, has backups, if you will, uh, safety Mm -hmm. protocols, the same conversation I was hearing, uh, well, for the last five years, but even the last two years of retailers saying, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to, make a, a joke here a little bit about TJ Mac or I'm sorry about uh, Toys R Us, but like mm-hmm. Toys R Us versus Best Buy. So yeah. Toys R Us forever had this big box that people expected their kids to come into and they, they really left it unattended. They basically just said, hey, it's a big box and you can come and play with toys and, and you know, but they actually don't want you to. Um, and it failed them miserably when they had the opportunity to create a space that was meant for experiences and then let mm-hmm. people buy. Best Buy, mm-hmm. on the other hand, has taken the approach that you can buy from us direct on our website. In fact, we we would recommend it. If you want to come in and tinker with all of our electronics, come on in. If you want to order and pick up, you can do that. That's not a thing we really do now after this. They will absolutely be doing that. They're operating exceptionally well at the local Best Buy here where I'm at, uh, where I can place an order online at that store and drive up in minutes and they drop the item off. And that is a tiny example of how your system can work if all of these different places are using sort of, whether it's their own location as a shipping uh, sort of hub or it's using other spaces as a shipping hub, which I wanna get into next is the other spaces Mm -hmm. part of this. Mm -hmm. Um, I really think that a major change is going to happen right now because all of the people who previously said, no, 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 I gotta go to the store to get it. That's gonna change forever as soon as this is over, because every single person will have gotten a taste of what it's like to not have to go to a store. And, Correct. And I think that was and, the, the thing that was and, needed. And don't finish it though. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So I was, I was going to, I was going to say, I, I completely agree. And, the, and we saw this trend happening before this as well, this move towards retail becoming more experiential 
And so what we've seen already, particularly amongst the direct consumer e-commerce brands that, that we service, is their physical retail store was was quickly turning really into a showroom. Mm-hmm. And you go there, it's, it's really just about experiencing the brand and trying things on, like you know, engaging with the brand, like building that community. But then every, there was no product held there. Everyone would still order online and get delivered to their home. And, and, and we were enabling that in a lot of ways because the, the customer experience is you, you're in the store, you order via an iPad, and it's delivered to wherever it is you want it delivered to in two hours. And um, we saw that trend happening even before this. And I think you're absolutely right that now you'll firstly find these retailers who are who, who were traditional bigger box retailers sat on all this real estate that now far fewer people are actually coming to shop at. And they're saying, well, how can we repurpose this? Like, what do we turn this into to be productive? And the answer is, is obviously, is like it's, it's for online fulfillment. And so we will see this shift, and you know, it's something that Ohio's platform is 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 enabling as well. Is seeing this shift towards, like, say, all all types of new spaces being used for fulfillment in a way that really just it wasn't being done before. And and physical retail becoming much more about you go in and you experience the brand. You don't you no one wanders around a. 15,000, 20,000 square foot flagship store on Fifth Avenue. Now, you know, people people are looking for smaller um, exper- experiential spaces to to understand what they want to buy and then they'll order online and get it delivered to them within a few hours. I think that's that's how physical retail will look in 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 a year or two's time. And I think what happened now is is just going to make that you say a year or two's time it might be sooner, it might be, you know, about the same. I mm-hmm. actually think <clears throat> prior to this I think it was going to be longer than that before you saw real, yeah. real movement. I mean, one of the, just as a context piece, <clears throat> several years ago, it's, it's like 2014, I saw a deck circulate for drive time, which is now Carvana. And I remember thinking, this is so brilliant and so obvious. And I, I don't know how long it'll take before it works like a charm, but I, I had a conversation. It's almost unimaginable that you'd be talking to a used car salesman uh, about innovation. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember telling him like, he owns a Chevy dealership here in town. And I remember saying to him, you know, I would spend some time reading up on supply chain and reading up on sort of how you could use your lot and your inventory to source for the buyers that are online that are going to pick up. You're just a parking lot. And yeah, people can drop by and buy a car if they want to, but that's not your, that's not your primary business. And it's almost unimaginable to him that a family business of almost, you know, 65 years or whatever it is, uh, would now basically be a parking lot for cars to be shipped and bought by other people. That was not, you know, it's almost a wholesaler model. That's not what he had in mind. And now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's one of their primary use cases. So if you could share, you know, that's an example of somebody who kind of owns, they're in that business, they own cars, they sell cars. But in your case, I'd love to learn more about how you guys are leveraging, you know, unused space as Mm -hmm. shipment facilities. Yeah. And so there's, there's two different models that that we follow. The the first is where um, we will take over a dedicated space. So um, these are generally unused commercial spaces, you know, retail spaces or in office buildings that have been sat empty for a long time. And this is space that is really dead space within the city. And so we'll go in and, and repurpose that and turn that into a micro warehouse uh, very, very close to the end customer. And that's what enables us to do that very fast, low-cost um, delivery is, is getting that inventory very close to the end customer. And so we we repurpose these dead spaces and I think we'll 
see a ton more of those dead spaces um, over the next year, as unfortunately, I think we'll see, you know, a lot of businesses uh, in, in trouble, particularly bars and restaurants, and there's going to be a lot of this real estate available. Um, the, the, second, the second way that, that we use our technology is by enabling um, existing spaces, existing locations with inventory um, to fulfill online orders. And so um, there we can use either um, the client's uh, stores or um, other spaces that they hold inventory in. So uh, we work with some brewers, for example, that, that we use their tasting rooms now to, to fulfill online orders using our technology. And so we can repurpose these other spaces um, that traditionally were used just for physical retail um, or just for, you know, like say a brewery for, for a tap room and selling it there and then. Um, where these retailers can now use those locations to also fulfill online orders for an area, you know, a, a wider area around uh, around that facility. And so those those are the two kind of models that, that we follow at the moment. And, you know, we're steering much more towards that platform model of enabling all these other spaces to become um, uh, e-commerce fulfillment hubs. What's so fascinating about that is, and again, we're dipping into this like future of work conversation. Um the, the reality that like, even a couple of years ago, I, I spent some time as a, in commercial real estate prior to sort of the entrepreneurial journey. Um, and I remember looking at subleases and people, you know, just we've got a space. We're not using this amount of the space right now. So we're going to sub it out to a small company of three, six, eight, ten people, whatever it is. Um, and in the future, if you see more people in a remote, uh, sort of location for work or automation comes in and there's not as many people working in certain you know capacities as they used to, there's a lot of unused space. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of those who are in, in the position of owning those buildings or leases, uh, there's some concern, uh, particularly now, but even before this, uh, about necessarily figuring out how they would use it and would they be able to sub it out? And now I look at what you do and I think, I can't wait to, to send this podcast to all of these guys that I know who are in the space uh, rental and ownership business because they are all in a great spot to sub out their space just like they used to do for people, but now it's for uh, a completely different purpose. It's a storage facility. And I think it's really unique. And I actually think uh, aside from the competitive advantage of offering same day delivery, I actually think financially it stands to have a gigantic impact on smaller operation businesses that, you know, can't compete with the volume of an Amazon selling product or a volume of a big box, but they can offset a lot of the revenue by being a facility. Correct. Correct. Exactly. And, and we, we believe that, you know, some of these spaces, the economic value of the orders that are processed through them and, and what a person could make by owning and running one of these spaces is far higher than, than if they were just renting out for people. Um, and so for, for lots of businesses, like I think, as e-commerce grows, um, these spaces will become um, the most profitable thing that you could do with this space. I guess the adage goes, location, 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 uh, couldn't be more true. It matters exactly 100%. where your building is. Um, tell me, so how, how big is the market, not necessarily just for you guys, but just in general for like, if you were to serve all of the, you know, let's just say it's the mom and pops and or Shopify run businesses, the e-commerce businesses that are not Amazon per se, how much opportunity is there? I feel like it's got to be just absolutely ginormous. Oh, it's, it's gigantic. I, I, I don't have the exact number off the top of my head, but I, when we last did our fundraising uh, last summer, it was something like $150 billion um, market. 
addressable market just in the US. Um, so, you know, we, we see this as a really a huge opportunity and warehousing and fulfillment generally is, is one of those industries that has, has been untouched by tech for so long. And that started to change over the last, you know, four or five years, but, but it's still very, very old school. And um, there, there's a massive opportunity for, for someone like Ohi to come in and, and really fundamentally change how people have thought about warehousing and logistics. Uh, you know, really, the, the current way of thinking, the old way of thinking uh, has been the case for the last 60 years. It really hasn't changed a lot. And so we see a huge potential to, to change. I, I often kind of compare us in a way to, to, to what Airbnb did to the hotel industry in that you had that old world of, of hotel stays um, that, um, and, and then you had various companies that emerged trying to optimize hotel space. So your hotel tonight, uh, Trivago's, trying to fill spare capacity in hotels. And then Airbnb came along and, and said, hey, there's actually a way better way of doing hotel stays using people's spare bedrooms and created a market that arguably is much bigger than, than the original hotel industry was. I see us doing something very similar where that old world of warehousing, um, like I say, hasn't really changed in 60 years. You, you've seen some new companies emerge over the last four to five years that are doing that, optimizing, filling on new space within those warehouses, trying to optimize that old network. Really what OHI is building is, is this alternative network saying, hey, there's actually a better way of doing warehousing which is using unused space within cities and turning those into micro-performance centers. And, and for us, like we see that in the same way that Airbnb did to that hotel industry as, as having the potential to massively increase the, um, the addressable market, um, both because it encourages more people to, to use e-commerce um, and it encourages many more of these businesses that, like I say, were, were traditionally physical store-based businesses to move towards online uh, and, and selling much more online as well. So, um, I, that's a terrific yeah. analogy. I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that it, what you're doing, I, I think is so unique because instead of just riding on top of, you know, basically saying we're going to prop up local facilities, uh, fulfillment centers, rather we're going to, we're going to arm people with the ability to do this with their own spaces. It, it makes it economically more compelling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, yeah. that's going to be a huge mover. How, so you had mentioned sort of a software approach to this. How, how walk me through a little bit, how you would actually engage me. If I had a, let's say I've got, I run an office out of a, out of a, a building where I now have enough space and it, it would work for all of the needs. Let's just say location is where you want it. How would it work to engage with you? Yeah. So, so um, really like I say, our, our, our platform is, is a technology. We're really a technology platform. And so the, the, the things that we would do there would be looking at, we would use our data sets to understand the demand for your product in a given area and, you know, and, and use that to help you understand whether your location was optimal or not. And if there were other spaces that we had that would be optimal in order to reduce delivery costs as much as possible, we would encourage you to use those. But if you, if you, if your space was in the perfect position to serve the demand around you, um, it's very, it's very simple. We, we really install our technology in your location, um, it's all done by an iPad and um, uh, and and is you know very easy to use. We install your technology. We understand what imagery is is there, and then we link through to your e-commerce website. And when consumers come to your website um, uh, and and add items to their basket, they'll see as a delivery option, uh, same day delivery from Ohi or two hour delivery from Ohi, 
and they'll be able to select that option. It'll push the order through to your location. Um, you'll be notified. You'll be able to pick and pack. And then we work with various last mile delivery providers to then deliver that to the end customer. So awesome. we'll work with you know the Postmates, the FedEx same day, the relays of the world uh, to, to do the delivery. The network effect that is taking place now that we have sort of data mapping of everything is honestly, it's almost too crazy to comprehend. I, I mean, I remember being in, I went to Northwestern for grad school between the real estate and, and my life now. And I took a class called Leveraging Networks. And at the time I knew it was going to be, it was a big deal for me because I, once I recognized it, my entire, every business I've been in since has been a part of that. But I don't think I, I quite understood the impact of the network. Cause I, I was thinking, you know, at the time, social network and connecting human beings and how to, how to leverage a network to get, you know, whatever sales or whatever. Um, the reality is the entire world is a gigantic, gigantic network. And it's, it could be a network of refrigerators. It could be a network of people. It could be a network of offices. It could be a network of whatever you want. Uh, even farmland. We, we had a company on uh, Tillable that's basically doing exactly what you're doing for farmland and saying, Hey, you know, it'd just be easier if, if only the, the best land for the best, you know, harvest during the best season were being used properly. Uh, it, it is a changing world in such a crazy way. And it, it's so cool to talk to companies like yours because I, I think that you, you guys are on the, literally on the, the tip of the charge that will completely change how people buy and shop. And they, they just don't realize it. They have no mm-hmm. idea that you make that possible. Very interesting. And, and I, I genuinely believe that in, in three years time, we as consumers are going to look back and say, how, how on earth did I ever put up with two day delivery or three day delivery? Like what, why did I ever think that was acceptable that it took that long for something to get to me when I ordered it online? And, and that move towards instant commerce and the ability to order anything, anywhere, really at any time is what we're enabling. And that's really our mission is to enable this world where it's, it's as simple as a click of a button and an hour or two later, the product's in your hand. I mean, the, the coronavirus is obviously going to be looked at as an accelerant to this at some point, but can you think, I mean, I can't, can you think of any other consumer behavioral change that was so rapid as uh, rapid that like, I mean, it wasn't long ago that Amazon dropped the same day delivery as a thing you can do. And everyone's like, Oh, well, I mean, I guess if I'm in a hurry and now we are right on the edge of it being the expectation, anything short is like a poor performance. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can recall. Yeah, that I can't quickly. think I can, I'm sure there must be examples there where consumer behavior flipped almost overnight, but I can't think of them now, but this is certainly one of those occasions where, you know, within a matter of months, what would have been a, two or three year journey it has happened in, in, in a couple of months. How, so how have you guys handled this, this whole COVID thing? Is it a great opportunity? Does it slow you down? Does it like how, obviously the, the end game is that there should be more opportunity given the space that you mentioned before, but has, has it accelerated your growth or your sort of innovation process? Oh, oh yeah. It's, it's, it's accelerated massively. So I think we, we are doing, um, three times the volume or we did three times the volume in March that, that we'd done in February. So, you know, it, it was a, a huge jump and that's been maintained, you know, through, through these first couple of weeks of April that when we're recording this, um, and, and we are seeing so many brands coming to us, looking to work with us that, that we're having to say no to some, you know, some that, um, we don't think are going to be the ideal partners we're having to say no to. And so, um, yeah, it's, it, it's been a crazy journey. I think the, the 
thing that makes it especially difficult uh, when you're growing that quickly is um, is making sure that everyone stays safe. Like we we obviously have physical people in these locations that are picking and packing, yeah. and then real people who are who are delivering these products. And so um, we made we did it very early on. Our, our chief staff um, is um, it, it, she's Chinese, and she has friends who were in Wuhan. And she said very early on, "Hey, this is going to be way worse than anyone anyone is thinking, given what's got going on in Wuhan." And so, very early on, we in, in, introduced um, different systems in the locations to make sure that people stayed uh, at least that two meter two meters apart to to keep them safe. Um, and then on the technical side, we we very quickly put in place contactless pickup, so enabling uh, delivery people to come to our locations and pick up the right orders. Uh, without coming into contact with any of our staff, and then also contactless delivery, so enabling um, all the deliveries take place with um, with without the the driver and and the customer coming into contact with one another. So those are two things that we put in place from a technical standpoint very early on um, that that have made sure that everyone stayed safe throughout throughout the thing. And and that's been the you know growing as quickly as we're growing whilst having to take account of what a you know very abnormal ways of human interaction has has been very difficult, but a, a lot of it you can solve with technology, and the team's been brilliant at you know building those uh, those those features to enable us to keep on delivering. It's a brand new meaning for growing safely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> new world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where do people go to to learn more about this if you're a business trying to partner with you? Yes, yeah, so you can go to our website, which is is uh, shipohi.com. Um, or you can uh, email us at info at shipohi.com. Very cool. Awesome. Ben, I appreciate it very much. Thanks a lot. Of course. DM me on Instagram or Twitter at Technori or at Katoon to invest in featured startups on the Startup Showcase live on WGN Radio, Saturdays from noon to one. Go to technori.com. Boom, that's a wrap.